Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. Test cricket is back and so am I, but don't worry, I'm not going to skits out about the cricket for the next 45 minutes because I actually already did that this week. So if anyone's into that sort of thing, I reviewed the cricket on Tuesday, so it's good to just segregate that into its own episode. You know, my boy Sanjay, who emailed me last year, he doesn't want to hear about my life. He doesn't want to hear about what I've been up to on the weekend. He said, Billy, label the cricket episodes accordingly. So Sanjay, if you're out there, big fella, that's already gone out on the Tuesday and I hope you enjoy it. But it's been a big uh, week here, I suppose. Do you ever just say something and then realize it's not true as you get to the end of that sentence? But it's been a week. Things have been going on. I'm heavily in administration mode which is a pretty graphic mode for me to be in. It's not something I like to be in, but there's a part of me inside that has to do it every now and then. I'm putting the tour together for 2024. I got dates flying everywhere. April 13, April 19. What does it all mean? I'm not sure, okay? The biggest issue with my... (laughs) The biggest issue with my tour is I've clashed Perth with a massive UFC card I want to watch with the lads. So if anyone's in Perth on April 14 and they're a massive UFC fan and they have like a particularly polite friend group who's very open to new members, I could be hitting you up for a beer because it looks like I'm going to be on the West Coast when I should be back in the East enjoying the fights, gambling with my boys. So yeah, I'm stressed out. I know these aren't real problems, but they're the closest thing I have to a real problem and you know all you can do is your best and adjust to what's happening so yeah the really only issue in my life is that potentially I've clashed one of my own shows with Charles Oliveira's next fight and it's something I'm working on diligently around the clock so putting together the tour for this year and while I'm here Melbourne and Sydney are already on sale thank the lord they're the two comedy festivals I'm doing so it really does help when you have a bit of a bit of assistance on the administrative side, setting up ticket links and God knows what else. So anyone's keen on that, March 27 to April 7, Melbourne Comedy Festival. It's going to absolutely crank. 11 shows, best show I've ever written. Sydney, May 10, one show only. Uh, Ticket link in the show notes for this podcast or my Instagram bio. Bring a friend uh, because it's cheaper, I think, if you bring a group of four for both of those shows. So get around that. And get around me, name of the podcast, Heyo. But yeah, it's been a big week. Unfortunately, I've destroyed my YouTube algorithm by watching too many Cat Williams podcast clips. And from what I can tell, there's nothing I can do about it. Because every time I try to stop, I see an even juicier title of Cat Williams calling yet another African-American comedian gay. And honestly, I just cannot click fast enough. So... I've got a lot of Club Shay Shay in my YouTube algorithm now, and I don't know if I truly understand enough about African-American culture to be getting the full, the full experience out of that podcast. I'm really only getting every second reference, but the stuff I am getting, I'm enjoying the fuck out of. So if you haven't seen Cat Williams talk about how Kevin, Kevin Hart is a transgender man for about 35 minutes... I would highly recommend you do that, but my, my YouTube algorithm is absolutely fucked right now, dude. 
it's nothing but BET ciphers and Cat Williams podcast appearances. So that's what I'm dealing with in my life right now. And YouTube, YouTube's like the new telly. Like if I need to watch some telly, I'll just chuck on some YouTube. Like I just, the YouTube ads are getting too much. I can tell they're trying to push us to get YouTube Red or YouTube Pro or whatever the new the new one is without the ads. And you know what, guys? It's starting to work. The YouTube ads, I don't know, they just seem, they seem so egregious, the YouTube ads, even though like for years we grew up watching telly where it's like three minute ads in between the shows. The YouTube ads, if it's more than 15 seconds, I want to rip my eyeballs out. I don't know what it is, but they've got us cornered. If these YouTube ads go above the two minute mark and there's no skip option, honestly, if I'm my Disney Plus subscription, I'm probably shitting myself because you're going to have to make way for YouTube Red. That's where we're at. I was watching this Lumineers acoustic set. I'm watching a lot of acoustic sets on YouTube as well. Dude, I'm watching black podcasts and white guys on guitars. And that's how I like it. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah. Dude, I'm watching the Lumineers, some acoustic thing. And the guy's, like, explaining the song. I've been watching a lot of Tiny Desk concerts. Ever since I've started wearing New Balance shoes, I cannot stop watching Tiny Desk concerts and black podcasts. So... I don't know, but it looks like I'll be voting Greens in the next election if my wheels have anything to say about it. So I've been watching this, these Tiny Desk concerts. Uh, they're unbelievable if you haven't seen them. I think I'm the last person on the planet to actually view these bad boys. But I got the New Balances on. I'm watching Phoebe Bridges in a Tiny Desk. I'm watching the Lumineers and I'm watching this thing and the guy's explaining how this song was all about his best friend who was an alcoholic and a gambling addict and he tried to help him, but he just couldn't. He couldn't save himself, this guy. And it looks like the Lumineers guy is dead set about to cry, dude. I'm like, holy shit, this is wow, you know? This guy's given us uh, the meaning behind these beautiful lyrics. This is increasing my enjoyment of said song. And he said, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't save him. He couldn't save himself and he died and then bam, Straight into an, a sports bet ad on YouTube mid-video. <laughs> YouTube doesn't give a fuck with these ads, dude. This guy's like, I miss him every day. Bam. Three-leg multis. Miss one leg. Get your money back. Flemington is here. <laughs> oh, my God. YouTube doesn't give a fuck. They obviously just drop these things in. I know I've got a couple of uh, got the old ads going on the on the pod, some audible ads and stuff. I'm not sure what they're advertising on the old podcast, but I do get to pick where the mid roll ads go in the pod. So I do try to pick a a moment that you know sort of a pause in the action. I know what you're thinking, Bill. You're trying to pick a moment in Get Around Me that isn't absolutely electric and could not be interrupted. It's a tough gig. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that I try my best. But YouTube, dude, these guys don't give a fuck about anything. I'm getting like, I'll be watching, you know, I I was watching Club Shay Shay the other day straight into a World Vision ad. I mean, is that a bit on the nose? You tell me, okay? You tell me. I'm getting a lot of ads for Indian bank transfer companies because I guess I watch a lot of Ricky Ponting highlights and they've, they've zeroed in on that. They go, this guy loves cricket. The amount of, the amount of cricket highlights, Club Shay Shay clips, 
and Phoebe Bridges' Tiny Desk concerts this guy's watching, he is obviously a rampantly single Indian man. And boy, do we have the bank transfer app for him, you know? (laughs) I'm getting absolutely pummeled by YouTube at the moment, but these gambling ads, dude, because obviously I'm not the biggest fan of the gambling ads, but also I absolutely froth on gambling. So you don't want to swing too hard at this, but the gambling ads, the gambling ads, they are destroying lives, lol. Is anyone, I cannot believe how little we give a fuck about gambling, destroying lives in Australia. Like you can't sell cigarettes on YouTube. You can't advertise a pack of fucking Marlboro Reds, but you can encourage a TAFE dropout to put a 12 leg multi on a sport he barely understands. How is that ethical? Like so many blokes, I, I know so many blokes, not so many, I know about six. I was trying to impress you with my statistics I was making up. But I know a few blokes where gambling has just absolutely ravaged their lives. And they got to ban themselves from the apps and all this sort of stuff. And it's just relentless with the advertising. Blokes are betting on digital horses out there. Imagine you come home from the pub and you got to explain to your wife that you lost, you lost everything on basically a fucking PlayStation game where you don't even get to play. That's embarrassing. I'd rather you come home... If my partner came home and was like, I lost it all on the digital horses, I'd be like, I'd rather you lose it on like an illegal cockfight out the back. At least you can have a look at one of the roosters and get a vibe on one of these things, you know? If you come home and say, look, I got into some illegal cockfighting, the mortgage payment's gone, but here's a photo of the rooster I bet on. Look how this thing looks mean as fuck, dude, you know? The gambling, the gambling ads are just out of control in this country. I reckon in like five, 10 years, they're going to be the new smoking ads. We're going to be looking back being like, I cannot believe this we were marketing this in this way. And put the pokies off to the side as well. That's a separate issue. It's unbelievable. I just feel sorry because there's clearly blokes out there who have a switch in them for gambling. I've seen it. You see these blokes putting 600 bucks on a fucking roughie. Their eyes roll back. They look like a great white shark that comes out of the water as their horse comes down the straight. There's clearly a segment of this population that are just rampant gambling addicts. And there's just no protection for these poor blokes. I mean, God forbid you're into alcohol as well. You've got the Bundy run big break, and here's a 12-leg multi that Sportsbet reckons they've got a real good feeling about. So, <laughs> and you get your money back on these deals, but you've got to bet, you've got to bet it again. And I'm not saying we should ban gambling, okay? If that's the vibe I'm bringing across, I'd like to stop you right there and urge you to listen carefully because I love gambling. But luckily for me, I don't have whatever that switch is that I'm sort of freaking the fuck out, betting money I don't have. And I just think these poor blokes that do, you know, a lot of these tradie apprentices, they're already managing cocaine habits. And now they've got to put a pokey and or gambling habit on top of that. I just feel like these boys have enough on. They've got to get up early in the morning. It's probably something to look at. I think because I get seduced by the sports bet sketches when Hammy and the boys are doing one of those park cricket sketches. I always watch more than the allotted 15 seconds without skipping. And I think sports bet have picked up on that or YouTube has. And I'm just getting absolutely pummeled by sports bet ads. So anyway... Not sure what that's about, but let's get into the podcast, dude. A little bit thin this week, team. I got to say, I've been all over the gaff doing a lot of stuff that isn't really stuff I want to be doing. I'm sending emails. 
I'm sending a freaking, you know, trying to get a poster sorted out. I was on Canva last week for about 17 hours, only to be told by my closest friends there's probably one of the worst Canva efforts they've ever seen. So this is the reality of being an independent comedian. You sort of got to dip your toe in graphic design, marketing, PR, HR. I mean, if I knew this was going to be the rub, I just would have got a fucking real job eight years ago, you know? Probably have a little one Betty with some chick I barely like. But anyway, so that's what I've been sort of up to this this last week or two. Administration mode, proper Wolf of Wall Street stuff. And anyway, so the weekend that was, Australia Day, I actually had to work. And I was going to take it off, but I was sort of asking around town. Didn't seem like anyone was doing anything. Not sure what the vibe is on Australia Day these days. And I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll just work. I only work 11 to 3 anyway, so it's not exactly, it's not exactly pressing. Union Day as well, so that helps. But I was, and I was like, whatever, dude, Australia Day is sort of a weird vibe these days. Don't really care that I'm not having some crazy session. And then I was walking through Circular Quay and I saw this like 45-year-old dad in a cricket wide brim hat just schooning on at 11 a.m. with the missus and a few friends and I just wanted to break two VBs over my head and just skull them. Whatever broken glass falls into my mouth, I'll deal with it, okay? My patriotism will fucking digest the glass in my stomach. Like, it just got me so revved to see someone else that revved, you know? He was absolutely... And he had a smile from ear to ear, like a Cheshire cat, this bloke. So, didn't do a lot Australia Day. Came home, the cricket was on on Australia Day. Wow. We need to get more cricket on public holidays. Is that not something we should be looking at? What a time to be alive. Rowan had a couple of friends over. It was pretty low-key. And just some of the most fun you could really have, watching cricket on a bloody public holiday. But Rowan and some of his rat baggier mates were around, so ketamine was back in the house. And I don't really know what the point of ketamine is. I mean, the boys are just in the backyard getting wavy as fuck. And it's <laughs> the thing with ketamine is it's a great time until you can't get up out of your chair. And then you just got to sort of ride that out. Do you know what I mean? Like you just go, all right, I'll just get another beer. And you go, oh, I can't get up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I guess I'll just sort of run the clock down on this. I tried to watch the last session of the cricket. It took me 20 minutes to walk into the lounge room from our backyard, which as the crow flies, I would describe as 11 seconds. And then by the time I got into the bloody lounge room, I'd missed the end of it. And then it took me 20 minutes to get back. So... <laughs> I mean, do not be taking ketamine if you've got stuff to do. I'll say that. Do you know what I mean? If you've got stuff to do, you really need the ground to be staying where it is. That's a fucking key component of completing tasks is having the ground stay where it is. And unfortunately, that's just not on ketamine's agenda. So yeah, I don't know. Probably the funniest thing that happened all night was Rowan was bragging about how good he is at job interviews, which I often do as well. The thing with me bragging about job interviews is I've never really applied for a job that a mate hasn't already previously teed up for me. So there's a lot of, oh, you're demos, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do also back myself in the room. I've also never really applied for a skilled opportunity in my life. So I can't speak to what it would be like to interview for a skilled job where there's genuine competition. But as far as entry-level casual jobs go, I'm pretty much undefeated, undisputed, potentially one of the greatest of all time. Uh, a sentiment that Rowan was echoing and he goes, mate, 
This is so funny. He's bragging about how good he is at job interviews. And he's telling us about it. He goes, oh, I was interviewing for this copywriting job. And God, I was just getting so many laughs. I go, I didn't know you worked a copywriting job. He goes, oh, no, I didn't get the job. I go, what are you talking about? You're just bragging about how good you are at interviews. And he's like, yeah, no, 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 no. No, I didn't get the job. But I made it to the third interview and I was getting big laughs in the room. So, still pretty impressive when you think about it. I said, I'm not so sure it is, big fella, but that's the funniest thing. My favorite thing in the world is when people think they're bragging. <laughs> you know when someone's bragging about something? You go, is this, does this person think they're bragging right now? I mean, like, I'm the best at job interviews and then tells a story about an unsuccessful job interview. I mean, it's... <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so big news, I'm now the only single bloke at the pad here, which is, I'm not sure how to feel about it. My environment has changed and it's informing my experience. You know, when I first moved in, me, Rowan, Marky, single, they were calling us the Rat Pack around the neighborhood, probably, I just made that up, but it was a great vibe, you know, just a few ragamuffin blokes bouncing around town like the bloody rat bags we are, Wow. Whereas now, you know, I came home the other night, Marky's with his partner, Rowan's with his, Imogen's with hers, and now all of a sudden I'm, you know, in the backyard blazing, listening to Cat Williams going like, hang on a minute, am I like some sort of a fucking loser here? What's happened here, you know? <laughs> My context has changed and I'm behaving the same way, but now I'm thinking, is this not as cool as I thought it was? <laughs> That's kind of the vibe. So, I feel like the stakes have really raised on my singledom. Like, I'm probably two days away from bringing a homeless chick home just to have someone to fucking just balance out the stakes a bit. When we're sitting around the dinner table, I'm, I'm not the seventh wheel. I mean, seventh wheel isn't really some, somewhere anyone wants to be, I would argue. It's kind of like, you know, this is how I feel about it. You know when, like, you got mates and they're just absolute lunatics and you just love them and they're great. And they're absolute pissheads or whatever. And it's just a good time. And then one of them, you go, all right, Damo, what's happening with you, mate? He goes, oh, mate, I've just bought an apartment. And you go, what? What are you talking about? You just bought an apartment. How do you have any money for an apartment? He goes, oh, mate, I've been saving for like four years. Yeah, putting some money away and got a nice little place in DY. And you go, what the fuck, dude? Have you been trying this whole time? Oh, Jesus Christ, you know? That's embarrassing. I had no idea you were you were doing this the whole time. Now I look like a fucking idiot. I, I thought we were being rat bags, you know. I got no apartment. <laughs> That's how I feel about this. I feel like everyone was studying for a test I didn't know it was coming. And now the exam's here and I don't have I don't know what to write down on the piece of paper. I feel like my mate Dorso after the ancient history HSC exam, where we had studied ancient Rome. And there was different essay questions depending on what your school had studied. And Dorso came out and he goes, mate, I did not see that essay question on the Persian War coming. Fuck, that was tough. I wrote four pages about it, but I honestly have no idea what was going on. And I said, Dorso, mate, you've answered the wrong question. We studied Rome. (laughs) That's how I feel not having a girlfriend in this house now. I feel like the exam's here and I haven't studied. And it's too late, you know. I'm asking for people's notes before the thing. I'm borrowing pens. I'm fucked, dude, okay? The next girl to smile at me, you don't have to like me, but you do have to come around for dinner at the, at the bloody lad pad just so I can be like, look, see? 
Hey, <laughs> this is who. This is whoever. And I've I've got one too. So there you go. You know, just to balance out the numbers a bit. But anyway, so never fear because the weekend's here, and that's what the weekend's for: finding love. So I had some friends over for the hottest one hundred, which we'll talk about later. I know people are up in arms about that. Um, but yeah, worlds collide. Hang these days. I'm just inviting people from like six different groups and bringing them together. My social hangouts are like uh, sort of like the Avengers these days. I got like two comedians, two blokes from the Northern Beaches. Like I don't know, my sister, some guy I met seven years ago, some Ukrainian guy from the cafe. Just chuck them all in a fucking blender. Let's go. I used to be terrified of like my friends meeting each other for whatever reason. I think because my life was so segmented when you're like younger. Like when you're like 19, 20, I had my school friends, my cricket friends, my soccer friends, my comedy friends, my uni friends. And I guess as well, because as you get older, I don't know I don't know if I'm speaking for anyone else here, but you sort of just lose friends year by year. I'm down to about 11. You just get to the point where, I don't know, you get down to like 18 friends. You go, I just got to jumble these people all together. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing one-on-one hangs for the rest of my days. So... And also as well, I think when you're 19 and stuff, I don't know, I used to worry about like it being awkward or people not liking each other. Whereas now that I'm older, I think, mate, if you're honestly like a fully fledged person, if you need to be babysit in every situation just because the people in that social setting you haven't known for fucking 14 years, then really you need to sort out your social etiquette. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not really in the market for people who need to be babysat at every social event. So now you just chuck everyone everyone in a blender. And I used to be so worried about it, but then you realize, mate, your friends know how to talk to other people and meet new people. It's brilliant, dude. It's absolutely brilliant. So I had a great hang of mine, hottest 100s on, Doja Cat wins, shout out to my girl. So we head out to the pub in Marrickville, Vic on the Park, my favorite pub. I go, right, everyone at the pad has a partner. It's time to shape up. It's time to get serious. I've had 12 schooners. I've had a couple of those Zins. You know, the Zins are here, those nicotine things. And so I'm revved up. I'm bouncing off the chair and ready to go, ready to find love, ready to, to tackle this crazy thing we call dating. Different tack this, this week. Take my friend Annie with me. And I said, well, I, I go, we're going to be interviewing as a team. This, this will be great. Because in Marrickville, you've got to provide options. You want to walk up to a, a group of four women at a table in Marrickville providing the only option being straight men, I mean, you're out of your fucking mind. Truly, okay? So we got to interview as a team and we got to talk to these four girls and it's just a fucking disaster because one of the girls turns around and goes, oh my God, Billy, how are you going? And I go, holy shit, it's fucking Kate, here we go. And I realize it's my mate's ex-girlfriend. They dated for like six years, who I'm great friends with, by the way. And then, so I end up just having to catch up with her for about 20 minutes while poor Annie just stands there. And this chick, Kate's like, she's like, oh my God, Billy, it's so good to see you. How are you going? She goes, oh, when you first said hi, I I thought you might be coming over here to hit on my friends or something. I go, what the bloody hell are you talking about? That doesn't sound like something I'd do. Come on, hey? Jesus Christ, what do you think of me? What do you bloody think of me, hey? So I ended up just having a 20-minute catch-up with her while my poor mate Annie just stood there. And it was absolutely shocking. And from there, our confidence was so deflated. I don't think we spoke to any girls after that. 
So an absolute shocker. A strikeout for the ages. I don't think I even spoke to the other girls at the table. <laughs> but uh, but good to catch up, I think, is what I'm trying to talk about here. Good to catch up with a friend. And that was that. Got got a lift home from like a Shane Jacobson lookalike Uber driver who just loves Japanese women. He said he's just got back from Japan and he can't wait to go back. And he said the women over there just love Western men. I said, you're kidding. The women in Japan... Love 63-year-old Western men. That's that's unbelievable. So this guy was an extremely charismatic man who I think pretty blatantly has a pension for Japanese prostitutes. And I wish him the best. He said he was going to retire soon. And he said he wants to do more travel. I said, what other countries are you looking at? He said, no, 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 still Japan. Still Japan. He said there's other parts of Japan he hasn't been to yet. So, So I wish him the best, okay, is what I'm trying to say there. But anyway, dude... What about this? Let's get into this Hottest 100 stuff, guys, because, you know, it's something people are talking about. It's something I've been talking about probably since the start of this podcast, where congratulations, first and foremost, to Aussie Battler Doja Cat. You can quit your job at the Manly Bowling Club, babe. Tell your manager to fuck off because you've done it, okay? And that's what the Hottest 100 is about, guys. It's about transforming the lives of these young Australian artists. It's about giving people a platform who would otherwise not have one. It's about promoting Australian talent and getting behind our own. And Doja Cat is a freaking testament each of those sentences I just said. Now, let's just jump in front of this. I saw that there's a lot of chat. They're like, oh, it's actually really good because she's the first woman of color to win the Hottest 100, and that is fantastic, and I can't stop thinking about how much I love that. Let's put that to the side, okay? That's great, but it's not really the point. I'm seeing people saying, oh, people only want Australian artists. You don't care a woman of color one. That's like a completely different conversation. That's like when people say, oh, you know, you care about homeless in Australia, but you don't care about the homeless in, in freaking Ukraine. It's like, well, I care about that too, okay? You can, you can care about more than one thing at once. So saying you want an Australian artist to win the Hottest 100, it doesn't mean a, you don't want a woman of color to win. So let's fucking absolutely fuck that off. The I'm looking at you comments on junkie videos. But yeah, I think the thing with this is I don't even mind necessarily that there's non-Australian artists in the Hottest 100. Me personally, I would much prefer it be all Australian artists and I've said that for four years. But... Maybe that's not realistic. Like, if we actually had all Australian artists with, like, no one vote, I'm not sure. But the thing is, like, is that, all right, fine. Triple J wants to have the mainstream artists in there. That's that's fine. Triple J wants Doja Cat in the Hottest 100. The thing that bothers me is Doja Cat doesn't give a fuck about the countdown, you know? She doesn't even call in. She probably doesn't even know she won. But Toot Advocate did a hilarious article saying Doja Cat thought she was on the YouTube show Hot Ones which is so true. And it's like, look, <laughs> Doja Cat doesn't give a fuck. So why are we promoting this person who is not into this? You know, I feel like um, you ch- it's like you're chasing a girl who doesn't like you back. It's like Triple J, just let go. Like I know Jack Harlow called in once when he was promoting his album, but <laughs> he doesn't remember Bryson Conchetta's name. He just doesn't. It's like, I remember Billie Eilish called him once and good on her for actually giving a fuck. And they asked her what she was going to do to celebrate. And she said she might have a donut later, but she hasn't really thought about it. And that's not a dig at Billie Eilish. I bet it was one of the more fantastic donuts we've seen. 
You know, if Billie Eilish is having a donut as a treat, as is her right, it's not going to be some Woolies bullshit. That's going to be an upper echelon LA designer donut. Probably retails at about 17 US dollars. So I'm not saying that it doesn't mean the world to her, but I'm just saying that it clearly doesn't really mean much. So what is the point of the Hottest 100? Because I thought the point was to give a platform to people, to Australian artists who would otherwise not have one. You know, the point is to fucking launch some of these cunts. That's what I thought the point was. Like, I remember Amy Shark and Tash Sultana. I think Tash Sultana won or she came second. Double check that. But before they came second and third, they were like, Tash Sultana was busking and Amy Shark, I think, still had a day job. I remember Amy Shark came second and they call her and she's in she's in a pool in her backyard, like a blow-up pool, getting hammered. She's crying. So sick, dude. That's what it's about. It's about like promoting Australian artists. Like, I just don't understand how you can further elevate that Doja Cat song. It was already number one in the world and the most popular song on TikTok. So is the point to elevate music? Because how could you elevate something that's already the biggest song in the world. It just doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me. And everyone blames Triple J, but also some of these Pelicans are voting for this stuff. So I feel like it's like Kyle Sanderlands signing a $200 million radio deal and everyone's like, huh, can you believe this clown is still going? It's like, well, fucking hell, I'd like to pull out some of your radio settings because some of you Pelicans are listening to this shit. And it's the same with the Hottest 100. Next referendum... Next referendum, I want to find out who's listening to Kyle and Jackie O and I want to find out who's voting for Doja Cat in the Hottest 100. And I have a feeling there's that Venn diagram is going to be the same circle, okay? Why do we hate Australian art in Australia? We fucking hate promoting ourselves. I don't know why. We just, we just simp out for America so hard, you know? Everyone's lining up for Marvel films, cranking doja cat it's just like it's it's fine like that's how the world works but they it doesn't go both ways america is not consuming our art america is not promoting our music or our films or our comedy i mean i know the nrl is playing a couple of games in vegas but that's really as far as we've gotten so i just don't understand why we're constantly simping out for these american artists on what is one of the only chances for Australian artists to actually have a decent platform throughout the year. You know, Triple J, they do the Lord's work and it fucking kills me to be negative about Triple J because without Triple J, I mean, we'd be absolutely fucked, you know? Would Tash Sultana be hitting the foot pedals if it's not for Triple J? Who knows, okay? Spacey Jane's doing about seven and more theatres in a row last year. It's all because of Triple J. I just think there's this one time a year where people actually give a fuck. Should we not be using that platform to promote Australian artists? Because if we don't use the Hottest 100 to promote Australian artists, there is no other platform. And also the FM radio stations look at the Hottest 100 for what they should be playing. You'll see stuff like Spacey Jane or G Flip. It goes nuts in the Hottest 100. And then Nova and the boys are like, oh, this must be fucking popular. We better get on this. And speaking of FM radio, I mean, this is what I'm like, Triple J bear the brunt of this, but you've got to give them credit for all the great work they do as well. And FM radio, they should all hang their heads in shame, those freaking American simps over there. 
they play, I think they have a quota of like 5% Australian music and those dogs play it all at 2 a.m. Makes me fucking furious, dude. Like, FM... Okay. I don't want to talk about this anymore because I can just tell it's getting like too ranty. And do you know what I mean? I don't know if there's that much of a market for me ranting. So, everyone knows. You you guys know how I feel about this, okay? Good to see that some other people may be echoing those sentiments a bit more this year. I just think if the Triple J Hottest 100 is not about giving Australian artists a platform, then what the fuck is it about? Because it's not, it's not on Australia Day anymore, which is fine. I understand the reason why it's not. But it's not on Australia Day, and we're not promoting Australian artists, at least not as much as we could be. So... I just don't understand what the fucking point is. You'll see as well, the top 200 is fucking littered with great Australian music. And there's a lot of Australian artists who don't make the top 100, but make the top 200. So how much... Imagine you're uh, a band like Dear Seattle or... I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go. But imagine you're a band that has a song come in 110th in the top 200. And and no other songs make the top 100. And you've got a regional Australia tour coming up or a a national tour coming up. Imagine that song comes fucking 75th instead of 110th. How many more tickets are they selling to their tour? How many many more freaking beers are they selling at these venues? How many more people are going out, seeing some great Australian live music and going, fuck yeah, dude, this was great. I want to see more. You know? How many people are becoming a fan of that band because let's be honest, the, the Hottest 200 is a great idea and I, I love that they do it and I enjoy it, but no one fucking listens to the Hottest 200, really. It's got to be, what, a quarter of the people that listen to the 100? Anyway, anyway. Sorry, guys, this episode's a little bit chaotic today. Um, I didn't have time to do a guest episode this week because of the aforementioned administrative work and yeah, I, then I just got too fired up on the Hottest 100 thing. And that's that. So anyway, a couple of things. So I put on my Instagram story that I'm taking uh, questions. I'll just get a few of those up now. Traditionally, I like to look at the questions beforehand because a lot of them are, you know, just pretty disgusting and sort of implying that, uh, you know, I've got a small dick and I'm a virgin and this sort of stuff. So just like to edit out some of that stuff if possible, but unfortunately, time did not allow that today. So here we go. I mean, first question from Rodders226, did you fuck this week? (laughs) Oh my God. This is traditionally why I like to get in front of this stuff. So I will be reading these out in real time. All right. Uncle Jay says, where have the video podcasts gone? I need to see the iconic bucket hat every now and then. It's a great question, mate. And even though I don't do the videos anymore, except for the clips, I still film it for the clips, but know that I'm still wearing a bucket hat while recording. So don't worry about that. I am still wearing the bucket hat, though you can't see it. Um, Yeah, I don't do the videos anymore because it's just a complete waste of time to edit a full podcast together for it to get 173 views. And also, like, it's, like, just filmed in my bedroom. Like, it's not, like, a cool studio or anything. So, um, yeah, just a waste of time, really. Uh, Next question. Are you going to be doing any more live podcasts? 
Obviously, got a massive national stand-up tour coming up, so get around that. Uh, the live podcast, yeah. There is potentially uh, some a live podcast tour, depending on how well the stand-up tour goes. If the stand-up tour sells out and stuff, then I'll probably do the live podcast tour. But, you know, you don't want to do the live podcast tour and then no one turns up. I mean, that's a bit of a shocker, really. Um, so, I'll do the stand-up tour first and see. Um, so, yeah. How are the New Balance shoes holding up a month in? I mean, they're going great. Yep. Started listening to a lot of Tiny Desk stuff. Starting to understand Phoebe Bridges more and more every day. And and I'm loving it, you know? I'm loving it. A lot of the questions here that I'm reading are about my hair care routine. I just washed my hair yesterday when I posted the Instagram story. So, you know, I do pride myself on the volume and I appreciate you guys noticing. Uh, I will say... I've got a question here. When am I getting my annual haircut? I'm due. I'm going to get it probably next week or something. I do have a new hairdresser, this this lady in Surrey Hills, and she is just an absolute dream. Firstly, I love this. I go in. I don't know if I've already told this, but I go in and she goes, so you just want a couple of inches off, right? And I go, yes, finally someone gets it, dude. My, every time I go in for a haircut, it's usually just a Lebanese guy being like, how short do you want the fade? And it's like, brother, I don't want to fade. Male hairdressers cannot wrap their head around the fact that someone might not want to fade. Anyway, this chick, her husband is a horse trainer. She's an absolute delight. She gave me this, this like leave-in conditioner that uh, you know is potentially responsible for the many compliments I've received here. Um, but yeah, she's up in Surrey Hills and she's a dream. She's just one of those like, you know, these 60-year-old women that are just... Their energy is just contagious. She's one of those. Just an absolute fucking dream. And one of those hairdressers where you actually want to talk to her. It's like this Uber driver with a pension for Japanese prostitutes. Charisma for days. So, love to see it. Uh, What else have we got here? Have you ever century circuit chopped? Okay, this is actually not a bad story, I suppose. So, if you don't play cricket, this is like one of the things that the boys used to get up to back in the day. So basically, the Century Circuit Chop, they call it the Triple C, the Holy Grail, the Holy Trinity of grade cricket. Basically, if you score 100 and then you go out, that's the circuit. So if you get 100, you're pretty much guaranteed two from three because going out guarantees you get the second one, circuit, and then chopped like, did you sleep uh, with with a woman that night? Have I ever done it? No, but I have tried aggressively. Um, like if I got a hundred, the circuit was on one, the last time I tried, I think I got a hundred against, I don't even know, dude, this stuff's so long ago. And I, it's not like I got that many hundreds as well. I don't know why I'm being so blase about it, but I remember I went out and yeah, we're out in the city till like 4am attempting, attempting to convert and get the Holy Grail. And yeah, nah, nothing happening. I mean, really, once you get to sort of one thirty, if you're still trying to pull, I mean, what are we doing here? Net, like it's just diminishing returns at that point but the reason this is kind of a good story i guess is because it's kind of embarrassing but so the, our under 21s team was playing the next day at dremoyne oval in the city and i was out till like 5 a.m after this hundred and i was supposed to go out and support the under 21s guys because i was club captain so i thought oh, i'll probably just fucking go straight to the ground because the game starts at nine or whatever this is the fucking stupidest thing i've ever done probably anyway long story short i wake up under the covers on the pitch. I'm getting awoken by like a 17-year-old greenkeeping apprentice. 
and he's like absolutely startled. I think he thought I was a dead body. I'm like covered in mud as well. There's like all this water and mud under the covers and he's absolutely freaked the fuck out. And I'm like, I'm freaked out as well. We're both freaked out really. And he he's like, oh shit, can I get you some water? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be good. And then this guy goes and gets me a water and then I'm sitting in the stands and I fall asleep again. And then I wake up at like 9.30 and Balmain or Sydney were warming up in front of me. And I like was like, you guys suck. Like you're going to get absolutely pummeled. Like I'm still so pissed and I'm like covered in mud. I'm all over the gaff. And, uh, and then their president of their club ejected me from the ground. So yeah, that's the closest I ever came to a century circuit shop was being ejected from Des Moines Oval at 10 a.m. the next morning, covered in mud because I woke up under the covers. That's the closest I've ever come. Pretty embarrassing. But anyway, yeah, a lot of these questions are super, super graphic. I'm not seeing a lot of... It's just about a lot of rooting. It's a lot of rooting questions here. A lot of when are you going to get a girlfriend stuff. No girlfriend, haven't had sex in three months. So that should clear that up. And a lot of hair care routine. So I've given you that and I've given you the sex update. That's pretty much all the questions. I mean, really, I've covered I've covered about 20 questions with one answer there. So there you go. Just to wrap us up here, the project for this week, it's pretty cool. This was sent in by a few blokes, so shout out. The project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing a here and abroad. You know, maybe take a leaf out of my book, Triple J, you bloody dogs, hey? Come on, guys, enough of that. That's pretty average. Um, the project is the segment where we celebrate... Australian talent, killing it here and abroad. This week, Millie Alcock, or Millie Alcock, however you say it. Dude, this chick's such a fucking jet. It's unbelievable. I think she's only like 20 or something. I'm not sure. But she was in House of Dragon, Game of Thrones. She's the next Margot Robbie, honestly. She was in House of Dragon. She was in Uptight or Upright with Tim Minchin. She was phenomenal in that. And now she has been cast as Supergirl in the upcoming Superman film. The, the new DC Superman franchise, which I'm assured is a massive deal. I'm not much of a comic book guy, but another massive role for Millie. And this chick's just absolutely killing it. I mean, you wouldn't really hear much about her in Australia, I don't think. But I think, honestly, this chick's like one role away from being the next Margot Robbie. So shout out to Millie. She continues to kill it. And we love to see it, you know? We love to see it. So that is the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Buy a ticket to a show in Sydney or Melbourne. Announcing probably the rest of the country next week, I hope, depending on how today's emails go. You know, Wolf of Wall Street mode, all of that. And yeah, dude, thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too long.